0: OF HUMAN BONDAGE BY WILLIAM SOMERSET Maugham, CHAPTER Thirteen. Two years passed and Philip was nearly twelve. He was in the first form, within two or three places of the top, and after Christmas when several boys would be leaving for the senior school, he would be head boy. He had already quite a collection of prizes, worthless books on bad paper, but in gorgeous bindings decorated with the arms of the school. His position had freed him from bullying, and he was not unhappy. His fellows forgave him his success because of his deformity. "'After all, it's jolly easy for him to get prizes,' they said. "'There's nothing he can do but swat.' He had lost his early terror of Mr. Watson, he had grown used to the loud voice, and when the headmaster's heavy hand was laid on his shoulder, Philip discerned vaguely the intention of a caress. He had the good memory which is more useful for scholastic achievements than mental power, and he knew Mr. Watson expected him to lead the preparatory school with a scholarship. But he had grown very self-conscious the newborn child does not realize that his body is more a part of himself than surrounding objects, and will play with his toes without any feeling that they belong to him more than the rattle by his side. And it is only by degrees, through pain, that he understands the fact of the body. And experiences of the same kind are necessary for the individual to become conscious of himself. But here there is the difference that although everyone becomes equally conscious of his body as a separate and complete organism, everyone does not become equally conscious of himself as a complete and separate personality. The feeling of apartness from others comes to most with puberty, but it is not always developed to such a degree as to make the difference between the individual and his fellows noticeable to the individual. It is such as he as little conscious of himself, as the bee in a hive, who are the lucky in life, for they have the best chance of happiness. Their activities are shared by all, and their pleasures are only pleasures because they are enjoyed in common. You will see them on Whit Monday dancing in Hampstead Heath, shouting at a football match, or from club windows in Pall Mall cheering a royal procession. It is because of them that man has been called a social animal. Philip passed from the innocence of childhood to bitter consciousness of himself by the ridicule which his club foot had excited. The circumstances of his case were so peculiar that he could not apply to them the ready-made rules which acted well enough in ordinary affairs, and he was forced to think for himself. The many books he had read filled his mind with ideas which, because he only half understood them, gave more scope to his imagination. Beneath his painful shyness, something was growing up within him, and obscurely he realized his personality, but at times it gave him odd surprises. He did things, he knew not why, and afterwards, when he thought of them, found himself at all sea. There was a boy called Lourdes, between whom and Philip a friendship had arisen, one day, when they were playing together in the schoolroom, Lord began to perform some trick with an ebony penholder of Philip's. "'Don't play the giddy ox,' Philip said. "'You'll only break it. I shan't.' But no sooner were the words out of the boy's mouth than the penholder snapped in two. Lord looked at Philip with dismay. "'Oh, I say, I'm awfully sorry.' The tears rolled down Philip's cheeks, "'but he did not answer. "'I say, what's the matter?' said Lewert, with surprise. "'I'll get you another one exactly the same.' "'It's not about the penholder I care,' said Philip, in a trembling voice. "'Only it was given me by my mater just before she died. "'I say I'm awfully sorry, Carrie.' "'It doesn't matter. It wasn't your fault.' "'Philip took the two pieces of the penholder and looked at them he tried to restrain his sobs. He felt utterly miserable, and yet he could not tell why, for he knew quite well that he had bought the penholder during his last holiday at Blackstable for one and two pence. He did not know in the least what had made him invent that pathetic story, but he was quite as unhappy as though it had been true. The pious atmosphere of the vicarage and the religious tone of the school had made Philip's conscience very sensitive. He absorbed insensibly the feeling about him that the tempster was ever on the watch to gain his immortal soul, and though he was not more truthful than most boys, he never told a lie without suffering from remorse. When he thought over this incident he was very much distressed, and he made up his mind that he should go to Lord and tell him That the story was an invention. Though he dreaded humiliation more than anything in the world, he hugged himself for two or three days at the thought of the agonizing joy of humiliating himself to the glory of God. But he never got any further. He satisfied his conscience by the more comfortable method of expressing his repentance only to the Almighty but he could not understand why he should have been so genuinely affected by the story he was making up. The tears that flowed down his grubby cheeks were real tears. Then by some accident of association there occurred to him that scene when Emma had told him of his mother's death, and though he could not speak for crying, he had insisted on going in to say goodbye to Miss Watkins so that they might see his grief and pity him. End of chapter 13